Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. and maybe I'm just speaking for me, but gratitude many times in my life isn't something that comes very easily. Anybody in the boat with me? Anybody tend to kind of see what's wrong first because you want to fix that first before you see the good things that are happening in your life? I think one of the questions that I ask myself so many times is, yeah, that's good, but what if? And fill in the blank, right? Do you find yourself there? Sometimes just worrying about what I don't have rather than kind of what I do have. And what I've learned is that gratitude isn't something, like a lot of things, isn't something that we feel so many times, but it is something that we can learn. It's something that we can practice. It's something that we can do better as we go along. And so today I want to talk to you about a reason that we can be grateful that's not based on Uh, feelings. It's not based on circumstances, but it's based on fact. It's based on what we know. And that's the title of today's message, which is, I can be grateful that God is for me. I can be grateful that God is for me. And I hope as we move along today that that will become more uh, cemented in your heart and your mind as well. However, though, I do think we get mixed up at times. Again, like I said, we begin to focus on what our circumstances are rather than what the facts are, what God's word has said. And and maybe even in the small things like this comical kind of story that I read this week um, about this lady who would take her pretzel stand down to the judicial district of her city. And she would take it there and every day a young lawyer would leave his office and he would leave two quarters, 50 cents on her stand and he would move on even without taking, you know, a pretzel. And this went on for five years. Every day, come out of his office, put 50 cents down on the table and then move on about his lunchtime. And so she would nod with gratitude. But one day, five years into this, he laid down his two quarters and and started to move on as he always did. And she stopped him and she began to speak and he was startled because she had never really said anything to him except nodding with gratefulness. Uh, But she said, sir, I just want to say thank you. Um, You are my best customer and and you are my most loyal customer. Every day you come and you uh, make a donation toward my business and I just want to say thank you. But I have to tell you that the price of pretzels has gone up to 75 cents. Sometimes we miss the point, don't we? We think about the things that we don't have instead of maybe what we do have. And sometimes I think we even get to the point when life begins to just throw things at us like one thing after another after another that sometimes we might even think that God is against me. Like what is happening? Why are all these things uh, coming at me from all sides? And and our emotions get into this and, and we become overwhelmed. And can I tell you that your emotions matter? 
that you, you should feel your emotions, that you should sit with what you're feeling. You, should, you could even name your emotions and, and, and call out what it is that you're feeling with someone, uh, maybe the, a counselor or a friend. Those are very important. But can I tell you, your emotions do matter, but usually they're not forever, right? Our emotions matter, but they're not forever. And so we have to base our gratitude not on what we feel, but what we know and the facts that we have based on God's word. And God's word speaks to this. His word speaks to this in Romans 8 and 31. It says this, Paul tells us, if God is for us, would you read the rest of this with me? Who can be against us? We could kind of go home right there. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I think the answer to that question is no one. And I looked up the Greek word for no one, and you know what it means? No one. <laughs> no one can be against us. So, why do we allow our worries, our circumstances, to drain our gratitude? And the fact of the matter is, there's pretty, a pretty easy answer for that. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And we automatically revert to fear over faith, we revert to doubt over gratitude. This is our normal flesh. And we have to continually give that to God and become a living sacrifice and die to that flesh daily in order that he can make us what it is that he wants us to be. Jesus even spoke about our worries in Matthew, the sixth chapter. And we're gonna read that passage today. And this will probably be pretty familiar to you. Uh, but when we get to a few words, I want you to circle those words that I tell you to. And I think it'll be words that you can relate to that maybe you worry about as well. Let's look at Matthew, the sixth chapter, starting in verse 24. And this is what it says. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Would you circle the word money there, please? That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food, would you circle food? and drink or enough clothes to wear? Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Would you circle the word clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. Do you ever ask yourself that question? Why do I have so little faith? We get down on ourselves, don't we? Because I, I've been following Christ for a number of years and I still struggle with my faith. Jesus went on to say, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's a promise. So don't worry about tomorrow. Would you circle the word tomorrow? For tomorrow will bring its own worries Today's trouble is enough for today. Can we all say amen to that? Amen. There's a few things here in Matthew that Jesus talked about all those years ago and I think is still relevant to where we are today. What do we worry about? Money, food, clothing, tomorrow, or the future, right? We all worry about those things. He says, don't be a slave to money. It can't save you. Don't worry about everyday life, such as what you'll eat or drink or wear. And lastly, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. But again, we, we think about all these things. 
and we worry about retirement. We worry about college funds. We worry about, you know, the price of food. We worry about gas prices. Kids' clothing is so expensive. What are we gonna do about these, those things? And all of those things are worth concern. But I think I've learned something. I think I've learned the difference in concern and worry. And I wanna try to stay on the side of concern rather than worry because I think that concern compels us to action. And I think so many times worry paralyzes us. Would you agree with that? I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that I've been so overcome with worry that I couldn't even pray. Have you been there? It's hard to even pray because of, you have to rely on the faith of others around you because you're so overcome with worry and fear. But if we'll allow ourselves not to go over that line from concern to worry, then it will compel us to action. Because if we get overwhelmed in our worry, it leads to something else called anxiety. Has anybody been there? Anxiety, I think worry, and I'm oversimplifying this, okay, because I'm not a counselor or psychologist, but I think worry tends to remain in our minds. But I think that anxiety begin, is more of a holistic thing that takes over our body where you can experience heart palpitations and sweating and shaking and, and it, it affects uh, you know, your ability to, to move forward into, and through whatever you're going through. So I think if we could continue to give God our worries, maybe it will stop the anxiety as much in our life and we'll be able to live more in a, in a state of gratitude because God is for me and God is for you, amen. Matthew says, not one minute of worry can add any length to your day. Can't add to your life. So why do we do that? And, and it's human. It's not that you're doing anything wrong, you're just human. We have a saying or, or kind of a value or a rule, if you will, in our kids' place elementary upstairs. It's rule number three. And many of you, if you've grown up in our ministry, you may know this rule. Rule number three is do your best and God will do the rest. Do your best and God will do the rest. And so I think that if we seek God first and we live righteously, then he will add the things to us. He will take care of our need. You see how that works? We do our best and then we give the rest to God. So what I want us to do before we move on any, any further, I want us to look at a few facts about worry really quickly before we move on to the meat of what I wanna talk about today. Number one, here's the first fact about worry or the first bullet point, it may never happen. Whatever it is in your life that you're worried about, understand that it may never happen. There was a study done at Penn State and they, they took these college students and they said, I want you to write down everything that you're worried about for next month. And they did, they wrote a list of all their worries. And then they came back at the end of the month and they took a look and you know that 91% of the things they wrote down never happened. And I think that's something that we can rely on as a fact that it may never happen. We worry about things thinking we're controlling things. Does anybody else fall into that category along with me? I worry thinking I'm controlling. And I, when I control, I think that's the path to peace. But it's not, is it? When I control, when I'm trying to worry, I'm trying to get to peace, but that's the wrong path. 
What I have to understand is I have to do my best and let God do the rest. Number two, or the second bullet point, it may happen, but won't be as bad as I thought. That's the second fact of worry. It may happen, but won't be as bad as I thought. In other words, maybe you fail the test, but you don't fail the class. You say something that embarrasses you in front of a lot of people that you respect, but they end up respecting you more and liking you even more because you owned up to your mistake. You see how those things work? And can I just tell you that people don't think about you half as much as you think they do? <laughs> I don't know about you, but the one person that I think about the most is me, right? So when we're worried about what other people are thinking, honestly, they're probably just thinking about themselves too. So you don't have to worry about that. It may happen, but it won't be as bad as I thought. The third fact about worry is it may happen, but God will carry me through. It may happen, but God will carry me through. Now, this is tough because I've lived like in a state of dread, worried about something that may happen. Like I remember, you know, I lived in about three years of a state of dread worrying about my grandfather passing away. I lived in a state of dread, worried about that. And you know what? In 2019, he went home to be with the Lord. And I, and I never thought if you would have asked me before if I could have got through that, the way I got through that with the peace that I got through, I, I never would have thought that I would have got through it like I did. But I can stand on the other side of that and say, you know what? I saw God walking with me and through my family with that the whole time. And he gave me peace that I never could imagine. So it may happen but God's gonna carry us through. The end of the passage that we just read in Matthew 6 and 33, if you'll look back on your outline with that, again, Matthew and Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. Remember, do your best and God will do the rest. And then God will give you everything you need. That's a promise. That's an action that you can live out with a promise from God. So what does it mean to seek God's kingdom first? It's kind of, you know, um, I don't know, vague. What does that mean? Well, it means to put God first in your day. Who's the first person that you talk to when you wake up? To put God first in your relationships. To put God first in your finances, in your spiritual life. How do we, sometimes we can do actions without even consulting God, I think to ask him what it is that he thinks first, to put God's word first in your life. Can I tell you that God's will will never be separate from God's word? That will never happen. So many times we ask ourselves, what is God's will? And sometimes it's kind of gray. Should I take this job or that job? Can I tell you that many times God will give you a choice because God can do his will wherever, agreed? but he will not do his will apart from his word. And there is no such thing as God's will for your life apart from his word. It will always line up. So when you put God first in, by living according to his word, that's how you know you're living according to God's will. When I'm putting God first in my needs, I'm more inclined to live a life of gratitude and freedom in knowing that God is with me. Now, We've understood that worry is worthless, amen? We've talked about that. There's nothing we can add to our lives by, by worrying, it's worthless. And I wanna say this statement too because I want you to understand something that I've learned, that every fear 
is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he's promised. Every fear is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he's promised. And so today I wanna to spend the rest of our time talking about what God has promised for your future. God is for me and God is for you and God is for our future, amen? We can stand on that promise today. So I can be grateful that God is for my future. Here we go, number one, here's a first guarantee. This is not a maybe, this is not a hope so. This is, you can put your money on it because God's word has said this. Number one, God is for my future when I'm confused. <laughs> Thank God, right? I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I live 80% of my life in confusion, okay? I'm not sure what to do or, or what route to take, but thank God for his word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says something very powerful. And if you haven't memorized the scripture, I challenge you to do that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. It's another example of do your best and God will do the rest. Why should we trust God? Because he made us. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you, every part of you. Not only does he know us, but he sent his son to save us. Amen? That's a reason to trust God. So many times I think we trust God with our soul but not the details of our everyday life. Do you live there sometimes? It's like, God, I know I'm going to heaven, but Lord, I don't know if you're gonna help me meet this bill or not. Now, what is more hard to do? To save us or to help us with what we need? If we seek God first and we live righteously, then he will give us what we need. Did you read that? He will make our path straight if we trust him with all of our heart and lean not onto our own understanding. See, the reason we can trust him is because we are not limited, or God is not limited rather, by time. If just in a, in a month or so, we're gonna celebrate Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite you know, holidays, mostly because I don't have to bring presents to where I'm going, right? It takes the load off. So let's say though that we're excited about Thanksgiving and we're gonna go to New York City to see the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I think that would be a fun thing to do for me personally. But let's say we're gonna go together and we're gonna get the best seat, the best spot on the parade route, which is gonna be right in front of Macy's. And we're gonna get a seat and we're gonna get to sit down and we're gonna see the stars, you know, when they come by sing, their float's gonna stop right in front of us. We're gonna get to see all that. But the fact of the matter is, even with that amazing seat that we have right there, we can only see what's in front of us. Would you agree with that? Let's say we get in a helicopter now. We're gonna go above New York City. And now we can see the beginning of the parade. We can see the middle of the parade and we can see the end of the parade. We can see the entire stretch. And can I tell you that's what God's perspective is for your life? He sees the entire path. It's not up to us to make our path straight. No, that's up to him. Why? Because he can see again when he knit you in your mother's womb. He knows that all the way to the day that you will go home to be with him. He sees the entire path. And so we don't have to worry because he will make our path straight. Why? Because he can see the path. Amen. He sees the entire thing. I dated uh, 
some uh, in high school and college, and most of the time, I pretty much had a steady boyfriend for like a year or two, which in high school years, that's an eternity, right? I mean, pretty much. Four months. I remember the first time I was in a relationship for four months, I was like, wow, four months. That was so long. But I mean, really, right? It's kind of like the Hollywood, you know, relationships, right? Four months. So anyway, I, I went and I, um, I finished college. And when I finished college, I went to teach school. And then after teaching school, I came to work full time here at the church. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm really going to focus uh, my personal life, give it to the Lord. And I'm going to not date unless it's just somebody that I really feel like might be a match for marriage. Okay, that's just the decision that I made. And so I did that and I waited. And I, I remember waiting and waiting and waiting, like five years waiting, okay? Like five years, is a, that's a really long time, okay, when you're waiting. And so I, I, I remember one day praying and telling God, you know, I, it's kind of lonely and this is a confusing time because uh, I'm really not sure what you want for my life and if I'm supposed to marry someone. But I said, I remember exactly where I was and looking up at the ceiling and talking to God and saying, but if you want me to be alone and just serve you, I'm gonna learn to be content in that. And it was hard. It was lonely at times and it was difficult. But I just kept doing the things that I knew to do, like, you know, lead my group. I had a 20-something small group because I was in my 20s at that time. And, and I read my Bible and pray and, and try to be faithful to God and do what I need to do. And I learned through that time that when I'm confused, the first thing I need to do is wait. And I think that's good advice for anybody, that when you're confused, don't hurry, don't rush, but wait. And listen to what God, did, what God would have you to know. And so I continued in my group and lo and behold, a guy by the name of Danny Dorsey started attending my small group and the rest is history. So maybe the moral of the story is lead a group and get a mate. I don't know. I don't know. I know Pastor Chris in the back, he is excited about that. So if you'll just see him after service and uh, maybe we'll get two blessings out of that, okay? We'll get groups and you'll get a mate, so. But waiting while I I'm confused, that's what God wants for me. Not to be worried, not to be hurried, but he wants us to wait. He'll make our path straight. Number two, God is for my future when I'm tempted. God is for my future even when I'm tempted. Another great verse to put to memory. This is 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That's good to know. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Are you tempted to be controlling or, or maybe uh, arrogant? Maybe you're, contempted, you're tempted to uh, let your anger get away from you. I've got some bad news, some good news, and some great news about temptation. The bad news is that whatever you're tempted with, probably right now, you're going to be tempted with it the rest of your life. Now, probably you'll get better as you follow Christ, and you'll get better at it, and God will give you more power and more strength to stand up under it. 
The good news is that temptation is not the issue. Would you agree with that? Temptation is not the sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. You know, the attraction is not the, the, the issue. It's the action after the attraction, right? It's not what gets your attention. It's what keeps your attention. That is the issue. That's the issue with temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when you give in to the temptation. But the great news is, is that God will provide a way out. Thank God. He'll give us a way out. He'll give you a still small voice that says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go any further. Don't do that. Stop it now. He's talking to us. Now we can ignore that, that warning light going off, or we can follow that warning light. And here's the thing about temptation that I think as well. If we will confess more of our temptations to, each, to one another, I think there'll be less confession of sin. If we'll bring out of the dark our temptation, maybe with a spouse, a, a trusted friend, a, a counselor, a, a pastor, somebody that's in the faith that we trust, I think if we'll bring those temptations into the light, there'll be a lot less sin of confession, a confession of sin. Because the only thing that Satan can do is make suggestions. Do you know that? That's the only thing he can do. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's got to get through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's a lot of coverage. That is a lot of coverage. You won't be like, hopefully, my little boy who's nine years old and he's so smart. But about a year ago, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And we were talking through that situation. And he said, Mama, I guess that devil on my right shoulder just won this time. That devil don't have to win, amen? We can talk about that temptation long before it becomes sin in our life. The third guarantee that God has for our future is this. Number three, God is for my future when I'm in trouble. God is for my future when I'm in trouble. I love this passage in Isaiah. I think it's so beautiful. And this is what it says. When you go through deep waters, God says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I and the Lord, your God. You know, trouble is an external circumstance in our life. And I don't know why we as Christ followers so many times expect to have heaven on earth, but we do sometimes, don't we? We forget. We forget that just because we're Christ followers doesn't mean that we're not going to have trouble. In fact, you know, full disclosure, you might have more, okay, if you're following Christ. But I want to tell you, there's no better person to walk through this life's trouble with than the, than the Lord that made all of us, and he knows us. And so we can walk through this life with him, or we can walk through this life without him. If we walk with him, he says, you might get wet, but you're not going to drown. He says, you might feel the heat but you're not going to burn up. You're not going to be consumed. And just because you face trouble doesn't mean you're necessarily doing anything wrong. In fact, you may be doing a lot of things right. It may look like trouble, but the resurrection that raised, the spirit of the resurrection that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise you up to new life too. Amen? 
when you are going through a situation in life, we have to remember that a seed that is planted in the soil is not going to come to life until it dies and is buried. Whatever you sow in your life has to be buried and it has to die before it brings new life. And God has promised that if you, this mortal body, God, we may even lose our mortal bodies, but he is going to bring us up to immortality on the other side. Amen. There is life through Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 29 and 11, it's one of my favorite verses. It's most quoted, but for a reason, because I think it's so special. And this is what it says, and I want us to all read this together as it comes up on the screen. It says this. Can we read it together? It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Can you read that knowing that's for you today? Plans to give you a hope. Plans to give you a future. God doesn't have bad plans. Now, plans may get skewed and they may get off track because of sin in, in our lives or, or because of sin in the world, but God doesn't have bad plans. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm convinced that you cannot miss God's plan for you if you're really going after it. You might make a mistake, but God will pull you back on track. He will make your path straight if you get in line with him. I'm fully convinced of that. Maybe you're here today in this room. Maybe you're watching online and you say, Chesney, today I'm trying to do things on my own. You know, I'm not seeking God first. I'm not trying to live a righteous life. And my path and, and my needs are not being met. My path is not straight. I need Jesus to help me today. I wrote a prayer today specifically for this moment, and I want to pray it. And I'd ask that if you're online watching today and that's you, if you're here in the room and that's you, I'd just like for everybody, if you would, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud, but just to say, God, me too, in your heart and in your mind. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner trying to do life alone. And God, that's not how you intended it. So I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I'm surrendering my life to you now. I hand it to you and I ask you to help me to follow you, not my own selfish ways. I believe you died for me, Jesus, and you rose again so that I could be raised to a new life too. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen, amen. Can we give God a hand for what he did? in somebody's heart today amen today i just ask if you would just on the back of this connection card it says i'm praying the prayer to become a christ follower if, if that was you today if, online digitally or here in the room if you would just check that box that says i'm praying the prayer so we can send you something to help you in your journey if you've been attending sec for any length of time you know that right before the school year begins we always ask our, our students and our kids and our, our teachers and our faculty to, to join us down at the altar so that we can pray for them as, as they begin school for a new year. And, and in 2020, when it felt like the world was on fire with the pandemic, and it was so uncertain, and the best, we always choose a song to sing over them before we pray. And that year, there was no better song than the blessing. And I love the blessing because it's straight scripture, but also 
I was standing right there and I was looking over the whole entire altar filled with kids and students and the band began to kind of lean over and begin to sing to them, God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Can I remind you today, those of you sitting in this room, that God is for you. He is for you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter the confusion that you feel. It doesn't matter that you feel all hell has been loosed against you. God is for you. He is there in your trouble. He is there through the fire. He's there through the flood and you will not be overcome because God is for you. Psalm 56 and 9, this short and very simple verse, the psalmist says, this I know that God is for me and God is for you. I don't know about you, but I need reminding and so when I hear this song on the radio or when we sing it here at church, when we get to that bridge, I'm reminded that God is for me. He's for my future. He's for my present. He's for my family. And He is for yours. And so if you're with me today and you say, you know what, I have to remind myself too. Would you mark on this connection card along with me? I will, will remind myself God is for me. And I hope that you'll do that today. As we stand, we're going to sing this song here in just a moment. Would you stand, though, and let me pray for you before, before we do that. Father, God, we just lift our hands once again, and we surrender our lives to you. Lord, we're nothing without you. And God, we get so overwhelmed, and we get so full of our, our worries and our doubts and our fears that it, it drowns out your word, and it drowns out your voice. So God, forgive us of that. And God, as we come to you today, saying, God, no matter what, I'll trust you. I will trust you today, God, no matter what. And I will remind myself, God, that you are for me. This I know, the psalmist said. This is not what I feel, but this is what I know, that God is for me. And we can all say together, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.